Mindful Biz Podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. In today's episode, Emma Blomford joins us. She's a Sydney-based interior stylist and author. Since launching her e-decorating service, Emma has virtually travelled across the country to design everything from inner-city apartments to cattle stations. The demand for her insider tips and eye for detail led to her launching the six-week Decorate with Intention e-course, teaching homemakers the principle of decorating and her mentor program, which guides budding interior designers through the journey of building their business. Emma is just about to release her second book, and we dive into this too. Hi, Emma. Thanks for joining us here today. How are you? I'm really well. How are you? I'm super well. I'm so happy to be speaking to you and finding out all about your business. So I figured before we get into your business, I'd love to learn a little bit about you. I, well, I love what I do and it's really hard to separate that. I think when you're really passionate about something, it kind of infiltrates into all areas of your life. So you'll find me doing things like going to trade fairs on the weekend and still throwing parties and doing all the stuff that I do during the week. So it kind of infiltrates everything really. I know when people talk about balance, it's like, well, how do you even define that? I don't believe in that. (laughs) I think also when you're running your own business, you have to be like 150% invested Mm. in it to really make it work. Yeah. Because everyone's going to sniff it out if you're not. Oh yeah. Okay. So when did you start your business? How long ago? It's actually my business's birthday this weekend and it turns eight. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. I'm, you know, my business is nine in May and it's like, it's actually a really nice phase to be in once it's really established. Yeah, it is. It's weird because I'm, I'm still a bit like, oh, do I really know what I'm doing? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. All right. Well then let's, let's learn about your business. Okay. So I do a few things. I wear a few hats. So I am technically an interior designer or interior decorator, but also do styling. So that's things like catalog styling or magazine styling, um, styling events as well. So I do all sorts of parties or PR launches, uh, lunches, that sort of thing. And then recently in the last couple of years, I've added author to the list of achievements on my resume as well, because I've just finished writing my second book. Fabulous. So, so when you first started the business, how did it start? Like what, what was the singular proposition or area that you focused on to begin with? I wish I could say there was more of a strategy behind it, but I was 24 and about two years out of uni, didn't like my boss who I was working for at the time in the (laughs) interiors industry. And I went, oh, I could totally do this. (laughs) So I started a website and then thought, well, you know, the website's up and running. So where are all the clients? And didn't realize that it took it took a little bit of time to get my name out there before anyone would actually book me in. Um, but then they did. And then now we're eight years on and, and I haven't advertised my business in a really long time because I just keep getting asked to do all sorts of fabulous things. Yeah. So once your website went live, because that is like such a false expectation of so many people. Mm. Once that site goes live, business just starts. And the fact is (laughs) that's like, that's just right. One thing done. Now the real strategy started. So what did you do to get your name out there? Uh, I did a couple of things. I was still working part-time when I had started my business. So I was pretty lucky in that 
in that job, I was answering all sorts of interview questions and articles for journalists. So my name was getting out there in publications that then kind of had a flow on effect to well, the people would then Google my name and it would come up with my business website. So I would get a lot of work off the back of the PR that I was getting through the other business. So, and there was no conflict of interest, so it was fine. Yeah. Um, and so I realized the power of PR pretty early on in, in business. And I also have a marketing degree. So that helped quite significantly for me, I think, knowing the ins and outs of trying to get my name out there, especially online and not, and not paying too much to be promoting myself, you know, with social media and everything taking off around two years, two or three years into um, starting the business. So Instagram has been a huge source um, of, I guess you could say, word of mouth or um, social media marketing for me and the business. Yeah. Have you found that, so, that Instagram's taken up a lot of your time or have you got it kind of to a point where you <laughs> manage it? It's like such a loaded question, isn't it? Oh, I know. <laughs> well, this is the thing. And I, I was talking to a friend about this the other day because I said, I don't actually have a personal Instagram account like most people do. I have a business account that crosses over into personal. Yeah. And I said, I don't know how I would go if I had a personal account. I think I would just be on there 24 seven. It would be really unhealthy. <laughs> It's funny because I've got about five Instagram accounts these days and I started up like a personal one because I'm the same. Like my my business is me because it's mm. service-driven and I, like I've invested so much time and energy and focus into building that account, but it was quite liberating because I started like a personal account um, maybe like three years ago and I just chuck photos up there with like two words, no hashtag. <laughs> And, and the photos are like so raw and they're just like snap and post and I love it because it's just like oh, I love just being able to like throw photos up and not really think about it. So it's a bit oh of God, a relief. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Well, no one even knows I'm there because I'm under an alias. So oh. yeah. yeah. So, so I, I need actually, to do that. Yeah, no, I really quite like it. Like I've got really just ad hoc stuff that, yeah, I would never normally post. So, mm. yeah, as I said, I think it's a bit of a secret release for me. Yeah, <laughs> totally, because everything I do is very carefully crafted. Yeah, same for work, absolutely. It has to be, yeah. So with would you say, like, the event styling is a big component of your business? Because events are just huge these days and so much, you know, so much energy goes into the curation of beautifully, mm. beautiful-looking events. Yeah, and I think social media plays a big part in that because yeah. the pressure of, oh, but, you know, if everyone turns up, they need to Instagram this and that. So a lot of the briefs that I get, especially from PR agencies that are working on behalf of a brand, will say to me, we want it to be Instagrammable. Yeah. And, you know, four years ago, that was probably not even a sentence anyone would type in an email. So now that is really significantly a huge part of putting an event together and making sure that there are little vignettes that people can take photos of or there's a backdrop wall that they can have their photo taken in front of and then that gets splashed across all sorts of social media channels. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible because so many of these events for PR are like a one hour or one and a half hours in the, the budget and the attention to detail that goes into that short event is incredible. Mm. Mm, yeah it's huge and I know that like I have a book launch um coming up in the next couple of weeks and for me that's a huge part of of why I'm doing the book launch it's not just to celebrate the fact that I've written another book and to share that with friends and family and media but it's also to be able to push that and promote it out there in another way yeah so tell us about this new book that you're about to launch 
So this new book is called Keeping House. My first book was called Home. So as you can guess, they're both around the interiors topic. Um, And Keeping House is aimed at a younger generation setting up their first home for the first time. So there's there's two sections to it. The first section is setting up your home and all the bits and pieces that go into, you know, making a house feel like a home and the emotions involved and all of the five senses and that sort of thing. And then the second half is all about entertaining and throwing parties and putting a cheese board together or making a bar cart and there's a few recipes thrown in as well. My goodness. Wow. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to pull this book together? Um, I was given six months, but it didn't take me that long. I think in the end it took four months. So that that was still working full time, of course. So that's just when I could fit it in between client jobs. Oh my gosh. Did you find that you had a lot of the content already or, and that's why it was easy to pull together? Well, when the publishers asked me to pitch a second book, I was kind of like, oh God, what am I going to write about? I got it all out in the first one. And then I sat down and, and wrote a few things and it just wasn't flowing. And then I remembered that after I'd written the first book, I sat down probably only a few weeks after it launched and scribbled out eight pages of handwritten notes and I went back and read them and I thought oh my god this is the book I have to write and that's when I realized I needed to write something to the for the younger generation not an established home or an established family that that wanted more decorating advice for later in life Um, and so that's kind of how it all came together and then once you start writing your table of contents out that gives you the layout to drop the content into. So then I just use that as my format as I wrote for the next four months. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, what's, would you say there's a really like a favourite component within this book that really, you know, like sparks your creativity? This book is definitely more me. The first book I, I said to my friend the other day, this book is me and my personal life and my experience with not just decorating my clients' homes but also throwing parties for my friends setting up my own houses whereas the first book is more my client work and what I do day in day out with my clients and making their homes look beautiful so this one has more of a personal reflection it's got you know family recipes in there that my late grandmother handed down to me and it's just it's much more personal and also it's been illustrated by uh, the Juliet Report who she managed to weave in a little cartoon version of me and my dog. So it's very much me. This whole book is me. (laughs) So would you say this is a bit of a coffee table book as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's gorgeous. Like the front cover is so beautiful. It's a really nice book that I've got it on my coffee table already. So I hope other people do too. Oh my gosh. So when exactly does it launch? It comes out on the 1st of March. It will be in bookstores from the 1st. Wow. And so the launch party to match will be very impressive, I would imagine. (laughs) I know. There's no question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, balloons galore. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Do you get more nervous about throwing your own event than styling it for someone else? No, because I don't worry too much about letting myself down. I don't like letting other people down. Okay. All right. I'm mm. sure that's never happened. No, I don't think so, but it's that fear of maybe this will be the first one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How would you describe your style? My style is uh, it's, not, it's not too dissimilar to what I do for my own clients, but I would describe it as quite classic more so than modern and contemporary so I do tend to go more for the traditional like art deco kind of vibe Um, and I generally stick to neutral pieces for the bigger ticket items like sofas and dining tables and beds and that sort of thing 
and then I'll layer colors on top with the soft furnishings. So then it ends up being quite colorful, but the base tone is quite neutral. Yeah, right. From your, um, you know, your experience or your personal point of view, like how often should people look at updating the look, of, sort of like building on the on the look of their home? Uh, most people tend to do it when they're moving house, yeah. which I think is wrong because why mm. Why should you make the house? Well, they're, they're looking to make the house that they're living in currently better so that they can sell it. And then it's kind of like, well, why are you making it better for someone else? Why aren't you enjoying that on your own and, and, and having your family enjoy that too? So that's one thing that I do tackle in this book and, and I say, you know, make it whatever your circumstances are, it is, a possible, it is possible to have a beautiful home regardless of the budget that you're on. It's just a case of making your situation now work for you and your family and then having a plan for when, you know, you move or you get a new budget or whatever, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I think it's really important that you make use of what you've got and make it beautiful for now, not for one day or for someone else if you're selling. So, and moving house definitely sparks that with a lot of people because it's suddenly a fresh slate and they've got, you know, they may have made a profit on the sale of the previous house or whatever. So they've got some money behind them to actually make it worthwhile. Yeah. You know, I fall into that category because we lived in the house for about 10 years and we went to go and sell it and we got stylists in that basically they did a number on the house for us to sell it. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we haven't been living in it like this for the last exactly. they, There were simple tweaks and just movement. Mm a placement of furniture that all, all of a sudden created like, you know, like a livable space that had once been mm. dead. So from that I was like, oh, my gosh, when we move into the next house, I'm getting this done properly, which is what I've yeah. done. But we've actually also got a studio out the back which I've le- left because I was like, I'm not really sure what the purpose of that is going to be. And I've now worked that out and it's like I would need to get someone in to help yeah. dial that because I like I know things I love like I know the look of things that I love but for me pulling it together I need someone to do that for me because I find you're not alone a lot of yeah, people are exactly I get the same. really overwhelmed because there's yeah. so much choice out there mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you don't know where to start no I know but just even like the the areas of the house that I've had styled which is the majority of it it has made the hugest difference and I'm so glad we did that from day one but you're mm. right, the moving house was absolutely the trigger for that. Yeah, and isn't it amazing? Because you spend so much of your time and your life there, why would you not want to make it amazing? Exactly, exactly. How do you cope with conflicts between husband and wife <laughs> <laughs> when, when they're wanting, yeah, you know what I mean. How uh, do you cope with that? I do. Well, for starters, don't invite your husband to the consult. <laughs> that makes yeah. it easier. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree. <laughs> No, it is It is honestly something that is an issue for me most weeks because mm. everyone has different opinions and you have to be able to work that in. And so for me it's about working out who – a lot of it does come down to practicality, so that does tend to rule out a few things which makes it easier for me because I can fall back on that without offending anyone. Um, but I do often get them to do an exercise together where they sit down and have a look at Pinterest or flick through some magazines and work out what their style is. And the architecture of the home dictates that quite largely anyway, which also then helps because then no one gets offended. Mm. But um, when they do sit down and work it out, then I go, okay, well, this is what you like, this is what you like, let's see what is common between those things and then maybe there's a style or a theme that comes out from that. Oh, my gosh. See, the whole process, I I did it when my husband was really busy at work. 
So there was no <laughs> conflict at all. And he was absolutely <laughs> that. But the one bit that he wanted to get involved in became such a sticking point because it was artwork. And oh, really? Yeah. So we left that till last. And artwork, it's such like a personal preference and style. And that's one yeah. thing that we just took forever to come to a decision on. And it was the last thing that went up. And what we've ended oh, up of course, is great, but it just took us so long to come to it. And I was thinking, thank goodness we didn't go through this whole process together or we'd still be at the starting point. <laughs> or you'd be divorced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. I've always thought that's the one thing that would be really difficult is being like the mediator between like a couple. Well, it is. I yeah. actually joke that sometimes I should have on my business card not interior decorator but I should have relationship counsellor or something Absolutely. because the amount of couples that have had fights in front of me, it, it's so awkward being in the middle of it and sitting there thinking, oh, my God, can I please just go home? Well, that's but your next it, coffee table book. <laughs> God, I don't know if I could write that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I would, I would imagine that's probably one of the biggest hurdles. Um, do you ever have, you know, like sourcing issues where people say they want a particular style or piece of furniture, and it's just virtually impossible to find it in the budget they've given to you, or is that yes. not much of a problem? Yeah, I think that's an issue for someone that potentially hasn't had much experience decorating. So I was working with a client the other day who she and her husband had been living together for over 10 years, but they were living with the furniture that he had when he was in uni and they'd moved out of their apartment into a family home with their young daughter and it was their first opportunity to go out and buy furniture. And she was like, oh, I've never really done this before. She said, we just got crap from Ikea when we were in uni and so now I don't even know where to start. And she'd pinned all of these beautiful images on Pinterest and she was showing me what she wanted. And I, I just said to her, I said, your budget is not in line with what what you have yeah. shown me. Um, and I said, we're going to have to really seriously reconsider either your budget and find some more money or you're going to have to readjust your expectations of what you can get for what you want to spend. Mm. I mean, furniture is beautiful pieces of furniture are really expensive, but I look at it mm. as an investment. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I, I've said this in my book, buy once and buy well, and then you yeah. don't need to buy again. Absolutely. And see, for me personally, I need the guidance of like where do I invest in, in those keepsake mm. pieces mm. because mm. otherwise I become scared that I'm going to spend all this money on one piece and then go, oh, my gosh, that was not the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> We've so got that, a sofa, but we don't have a coffee table and yeah. cushions. <laughs> and, and that's why like your profession is just so needed, particularly in today's environment where everyone is very house proud, you know, mm. and, and, and are realizing, you know, the value of living in a nice space. Yes, absolutely. And what it does for you and your family to be surrounded by nice things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think that kind of thought process in the past was considered like luxury living, whereas yeah, today it it's very much more standard living to, to, to want to live in, in a beautiful space. And I have to be really careful with the way that I word that without it sounding as if you have to go and spend, you know, a multi-million dollar budget in order to achieve that because I do it on a daily basis with clients that are quite happy to get some pieces from Ikea but then also mix it with some pieces from Coco Republic. So it's not that you have to go out and spend everything on, you know, really expensive furniture. You can have high and low mixed together really easily. Yeah, that's what we've done. That's what we're mm. mm. Interesting. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to have a look at this book. Super exciting. <laughs> so where will it be available to purchase from? 
It will be available on my website, so emmabloomfield.com, or it will be in all sorts of bookstores. So it will be in Dimix, it will be online on Booktopia and a lot of other um, just local bookstores as well. Fabulous. All right, then what I will do is link up in the show notes everything that will take everyone through to your website and they can find everything from there. So, Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you, Alison. It's been a pleasure. 